You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, George Danikian, along with Lockie Flanagan, it's State of Our Football Nation uh, for yet another week. And importantly, it's been a huge week in football. Indeed. So many things to address, so many things to attend to. Um, uh, there's a lot more football still to be played. Uh, it's a case of where do we look, <laughs> what do we think about, and what's next? And what's next, of course, is the start of a brand new A-League men's uh, season. And uh, there are a, an array of games that already have piqued my uh, my interest. Um, I've got everyone wants to tell me about the rematch, the grand final rematch, and I keep reminding them, uh, unless it's played in a grand final, it's not a grand final rematch. <laughs> um, it's the, just I, the fact I, that we're playing West Western United I, I at would... Amy, and it's not a grand final replay. I would be a lot more charitable than that to people who pronounce it as... Uh, I, I, what would you say? I, well, I, you know what I do, George, is I play quite a straight bat to, to that sort of suggestion. Yeah, I, I go, do too. I was an opening it's, batsman. It's premiers versus champions. It's very good. Very good. See, that's not lazy. Lazy is, oh, it's a grand final <laughs> replay. You just Please get alienated half of our listener base, George. Well, there you go. It's not unusual. <laughs> Sometimes in life, it's a bit like... What's that station in Britain? Talk sport. Yes. You alienate everybody at the same time. You that's, can't, that's, can't, I guess that's can't how, possibly you, how you really mean any, any attention is, now we've is got good a, attention. A couple of things to address early on. We've got a couple of guests coming on uh, from Channel 10 and Paramount Plus. We have Daniel McBreen. Mm. And uh, hopefully a little bit later on, we'll catch up with the managing director of uh, the biggest team or the biggest club in the country, Melbourne Victory. Um, the, the one and only uh, Caroline Carnegie. So looking forward to hearing about their new sponsorship deal, which uh, is a brand new company, brand new name. So the, the front of the shirt will look very interesting. Triple seven. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, the actual front of the shirt sponsor is going to be uh, a company of the triple seven oh, partners, which is Bonza. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get that explained yeah. to us. So uh, Shazza and Bazza, the uh, the two planes in the what do you call a fleet of planes? It's not an armada, that's ships. Uh, that's probably an after the it's show. It's a squadron, question. isn't it? A squadron, yeah. Thank you. Fleet. Um, first off, though, we we need to touch on something that occurred last week. Uh, Football Australia has concluded the investigation into the uh, conduct of uh, that uh, identified spectator who was there at the Australia Cup final, the game at Combank Stadium between, of course, Sydney. United, or Sydney 58, uh, taking on MacArthur. Um, the spectator in question has been issued now. We're hearing with a lifetime ban from attending Football Australia sanctioned matches, which means all NPL games, yeah. the A-League games, Australia Cup games, and any national team matches that are scheduled. So that's not the sort of thing any fan would hope to have. And uh, it's great to see that the ban is effective immediately. And uh, the conduct in question, of course, which, uh, relates to uh, some actions that uh, were displayed quite um, uh, quite clearly for not only the world to see, but uh, they were captured by the host broadcaster's cameras. So very hard to deny it. The conduct, uh, a breach of the Australia Cup terms of admission and also the uh, Football Australia's spectator code of behaviour. I'm hoping now 
that we're going to see uh, some others uh, identified and uh, they come forward. Uh, and we're hearing that Football Australia has decided to make it very, very clear they're going to adopt a, a zero-tolerance policy to any disrespect or anything that's offensive that um, at sanctioned events, and they're not going to tolerate anybody stepping out of, out of line, which is fair and reasonable. And they needed to act. They've acted. Let's see what happens now with a follow-up. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, uh, we've got a, a guest about to join us. Is that the one that was promised? Indeed we do. He, the very well, same. The, the very, very same. same. Okay, uh, Daniel McBreen um, uh, is someone who we've been hearing on, on, on television uh, commentary for, for quite some time. The thing that, that I didn't realise until recently is that he's not, he's not an Australian, he's a POM. <laughs> Born in Burnley, no less. <laughs> Daniel McBreen, welcome to State of Our Football Nation. Well, thanks for having me, and I hope you can uh, embrace the fact that I've been here for about 45 years and six months of my 45 years and seven months' life. So I'd like to say I'm an Australian over cash. Mate, we understand. We just needed to be as controversial as possible early on. Daniel, as as someone with Scottish heritage, I'm sorry. I'm not sure I can look past it. I'm going to have to keep it in mind until my dying day. Hey, Daniel, welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a delight for us because it's an opportunity to um, get, get behind the scenes to, to find out just how life has changed for you from your playing days, of course, then, of course, from some of the coaching that you've done over, over the years. Is this a completely new role? Or was this something that you were aiming to, uh, to sort of put on the CV early on or, or is it something that came late to you and you went, you know what, it's there Let's see what I can do with it. Yeah, to be honest, probably the latter. Uh, <laughs> I never really thought that I'd be involved in television. And uh, to be honest, near the end of my career, I wasn't really that think, focused on coaching either. And it wasn't until a couple of chats with uh, coaches at the time and went down that path and just got a call out of the blue at the time from Fox Sports. I'd had done a little bit of radio and they said, do you want to come on? And I had no idea what I was doing. And some <laughs> still don't know what I'm doing seven years later. Uh, but it just sort of grew and has gone along and I've got more into it and, and really enjoyed it. And this last six months or, or, or 12 months, really, and then coming on full time now, it's um, I can't say that I, I couldn't really be enjoying it anymore. Look, uh, for Channel 10, uh, for Paramount Plus, it's also a new caper and they're, they're getting better at what they do. And I've noticed that this year they've uh, they've put up a very clear sign that there'll be no ads during the game which was yeah. something that uh, annoyed the hell out of uh, some football fans last year. And it's in what was 10 and Paramount Plus's first uh, opportunity to showcase the game as the uh, host broadcasters. So that's exciting. So we're now going to have no ads uh, wall to wall. It, it'll happen only during the preferred breaks, which is half time, of course, and before yeah. the game and after the game. Um, you should be excited about that. Uh, you'll be on call for the entire 90-plus minutes. Well, that's it. No respite for us. No, no respite. The whole game, yeah. But, um, look, I think that's something that um, everyone sat down and decided it wasn't probably conducive to football. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they made the right decisions on there. And, look, I think this year it's going to be a little bit easier in respect to last year we thought we got past that covid and then it came and reared its ugly head again. And Correct. all of a sudden, games left, right and centre. And we had, you know, 24 to 48 hours notice. And no one really knew 
um, when games were coming on. But at least it, we now we know we're structured. The season's been planned out, and I think it's going to be a great season. It's been some some really good signings, and um, I think there's a lot to look forward to this year. There's some exciting names, um, and one of them has captured our imagination. He plays for the Central Coast Mariners, or he will for a few more for the time being for a few well, more while matches. we enjoy the other uh, farewell we're, we're, tour i was going to say um how excited are you to see someone so young uh be able to basically with the almost the minimum of fuss um cut a swathe through our football excitement uh, he's just lit a fuse hasn't he young garen quoll yep he has um you know his brother went before him through the mariners and then off to germany but if we thought there was someone who might come through with a little bit more swagger and arrogance and a little bit more um, cockiness in him, well, we found him in Garang because he's just set the, the game on fire towards the end of last season and really topped it off at the end of last year when he played against Barcelona for the All-Stars and tore them apart and nearly scored a couple of goals in another cameo. But the guy hasn't started a game of football yet in professional football. I think he's played 200 minutes all up. Mm. Um, I think he had five games off the bench, scored four goals. Yep. Now he's with a Socceroos appearance as well, where he, he showed his, his electricity in that as well. But it's been a meteoric rise for him. Um, you know, he's got a lot to learn. We saw Graham Arnold talking about him saying he's raw, he's got talent, but he needs a lot of work, to, which is to be expected. He's 18 and he's hardly played um, a lot of minutes in football. So I think he's probably in the best spot there to be with Nick Montgomery, who, who's dealt with a lot of young guys coming through, has played at the top level in the UK, so understands what it means to, to get there and what you need to do to stay there as well. So I think I'm pretty sure he'll be on the phone to Newcastle United in the Premier League saying, right, how do we manage this over the next four, five, six months, whatever it is, and also through the World Cup. Uh, and so he can be at his best physical space when he gets over there. I'm sure he'll be lent out to another country, particularly maybe Portugal or something like that. But it's it'll be an interesting to watch. I think he could be a real excitement machine for not only for us to watch through his club career, but for the Socceroos going forward. Uh, Daniel McBreen is our guest on uh, State of Our Football Nation on FNR. George Stanekian along with Lockie Flanagan. And Daniel, can you give me, uh, uh, and especially for those who haven't seen too much of Karen Qual, which is probably the entire football community, what are the electric gifts that make him so special? Because for me, the thing that I couldn't believe, especially when he was introduced for the second game uh, against New Zealand, Every time the ball went anywhere near him, there was no fuss. There was no, uh, you know, uh, outlandish uh, movement. He just breezed from one end of the field to the other. Minimum of fuss, laid on a pass, created a goal, and he was prepared to do it every time he got the ball. What is it? What are the special gifts that make him so dangerous and so exciting? Well, obviously, he's got talent technical ability, the ability to run with the ball. He can finish, as we saw at the end of last season. Yep. Some of the finishing he had, you know, it was just snap finishing, quick decisions. He's got that ability, but he's extremely fast. But I think the thing that's put him in good stead, he's got this arrogance where it's, it doesn't matter. It, to him, he's, he said it when he played against Barcelona. He said, one day I know I'm going to play at that level or, <laughs> around the players. And I think it's just the, the belief in himself and the directness that, I don't care who I'm playing against. I don't know. Like, you don't worry about telling me who they are. I'm just going to go out and play because he has that unbridled passion that 
I'm good enough to whoever you put me against and he's direct and he believes in himself and with that technical ability as well, it's a joy to watch. It is a joy to watch. Uh, I've been watching an awful lot of football over the, the course of my life and I got very excited when I saw the arrival of young Daniel Azani uh, then I saw young Marco Tilio, and I thought they were two outstanding young men uh, who had promising careers ahead. Of course, we realised Daniel got injured and that injuries are always the greatest uh, challenge to each and every player because they behave differently and, and some injuries, uh, you know, you can get over them pretty quickly. Some linger for quite some time. But this young man is quite something else again. And I think that it's it's that calmness that makes him even more dangerous. You know, in, in, on, on television, in the big screen, they say stillness is a gift. Well, he's got it on the field. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that comes with his belief. Uh, he just believes in himself so much. There's no, you know, I'm sure that he does feel nerves when he gets uh, goes out into games, yep. but you would never believe it by looking at him because he just has that unwavering belief uh, that he, he he will do it. And every time he stepped onto the park so far, he has electrified it. He has sparked the interest of the crowd and he's dazzled um, defenders and, who haven't been able to cope with him. And when you think he's 18 and played, what, two and a half, two, 230 minutes, let's see him in a couple of years when he's, uh, um, you know, got a little bit more minutes under his belt and a little bit more experience. Well, the, the sky's the limit. You know, you, just as you uh, created that that thought for me, I was reminded of my early days playing golf. And I can remember playing against some uh, really young golfers who were seriously talented. And on the putting greens, they were absolutely fearless. And I remember going back and playing some golf with these guys 10 years later and their, their putting had not uh, matured it had actually deteriorated because they started overthinking. Is that something that we always fear with with players as they come into the game, that they are given so many things to think about that they lose their way? I think so. I think, you know, each player uh, is different uh, and coaches need to manage that. And, you know, there's some players who want to know every detail of how we want to play the game (laughs) and where do I be when, when this is happening. Other players, you need to just say, just go and do what you do. Don't mm. overcomplicate it. You know, yeah. this is the team structure. But within that, you go and excite and do what you want to do. And Garang is one of those guys. I think Monty would probably say, go out there and score me a goal. <laughs> Simple as that, you know. Uh, and that's that's the, the the task of the of the manager. And I think Monty's done a really good job in that. He's got a lot of young players and a lot of senior players mixed in together. And he needs to manage which ones to say, you've got this, 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 and this to do, and which one to say, go, go and go and play. Well, Monty, along with the the rest of us, are, are going to get to uh, enjoy Garang for a final few weeks on, on the, the Garangski farewell tour. That's what I'm calling it, It at least. starts on the, on the F, what is it, the F3? The F3 derby, yes. Yeah, wow. But I'm, I'm curious to get your, your take, Daniel, on, on the Mariners more broadly going into the start of this season because we, we know that he's going to be on the way out. They've still got Jason Cummings, but they have lost his sort of partner in crime in Marco Arena, what what do you make of them going into the the new campaign? Look, Marco Arena for me is a big loss. Uh, he did an amount of work for them last season, so I think you know losing them is always going losing him. Sorry, is going to be a big loss for them. But you know they've gone out and they've signed a couple of players. You know they've brought 
Danny Vukovic has come back in goals. He's class. A, mm, class. Yeah, I think that's a massive signing uh, with the experience he he will have into the change room. The new captain of the club with Matty Simon retiring, so there's another loss. Wow. Uh, he'll still be involved in the in in the backroom staff, so they'll have him around because he's such a good club person. But look, Monty's. So he's had one season and so far from what his signings that he's made and this preseason results. And I speak to Monty on a regular basis, obviously ex-teammate of mine. And every time I speak to him after a preseason game, I say, mate, that's another good result. You've done well there. <laughs> he keeps saying, okay, will you shut up? Preseason <laughs> results, you don't get points. It's just another game. And I yeah. keep saying, yeah, but it builds confidence and he keeps trying to talk it down. But I can't keep talking him up enough. I think he's done a great job last year. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how the signings come in. And Marco Tulio and Paula Yongo, the strikers who he's brought in, how they settle and how they fit in. But look, in preseason, like I said, they um, they've been getting good results. It's preseason's preseason. They took Sydney FC to penalties with ten men for sixty minutes in the in the uh, Australia Cup. Uh, and I actually think you know people might say I'm biased because it's my old club, but I think they'll they'll be a dark horse trying to push for mm. top three. This- Mm. I mean, they've they have you know proven so many doubters wrong season on season well, now. Well, it, a, it is hard to. to they had a pretty good season last year, yeah, except no, that's for the exactly, end. That's yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. what I'm saying. The, we, I mean, and we had the chance, George, last week on this program yeah, yeah. To, to speak to Monty. To Monty for, he was great. He was. And now he's someone we rate very highly. As he gave a, as us an coach. hour last week, uh, Daniel. That just goes to show you what a professional he is. Mm. He didn't yeah. blink. He just gave us everything we asked for and then some. Mm. He gave us a sense of some of the great characters that uh, are going to make that dressing room so very special. You know how important a dressing room is, yeah? 100%. 100%. And you yeah, also you to- know from both a coaching pr- perspective and as a playing perspective. You've got, to, you've got to tell me, your first dressing room in Romania, what in <laughs> heavens, can you remember that far back? I can, uh, yeah. It was a long time ago, but I can remember. Um, what language really, were you speaking? I, well, I was speaking English <laughs> and trying to learn Romanian. Uh, and there was probably one or two guys in the team that spoke English. Um, it was a lot of hand singles, a lot of gestures, <laughs> a lot of uh, uh, winks and nods. And oh, wow. The first six weeks I was in Romania, I learned quickly to t- say all the, all the things you need to talk on, on a football field. And then I became fluent probably after three months of everything on the field, you know, left, right, mark up, come here. Uh, and then we'd go and have a coffee after and I'd sit there in silence because I had no idea. You didn't so, know how to order a coffee. To, yeah, exactly. To be to be said that I was thrown at the deep end was probably an understatement. But uh, it was a learning experience, a very quick learning experience from a, a boy who'd been living at home with his mum to move to Romania on his own was uh, wow. quite a step. It, that takes an enormous enormous leap of faith where were, were you a gambler are you did you believe what what was it that said i can do romania no problem yeah i, I can just, do bucharest <laughs> yeah yeah well i wasn't even in bucharest i was three and a half hours north, uh, south oh my of bucharest. god uh, look i just sometimes i just think you get to a point and and i've had it a few times in my life where you think Something here's an opportunity that I might not get, uh, and it could lead to something else. And for me, it did. It led, it led to eight years playing in Europe. Um, and sometimes I think at the spur of the moment, you just get to go with your gut. And it, let, let me say, it wasn't all roses when I was in Romania. It was, um, you know, I wasn't getting paid at times, and it was very hard with the language and etc. But for me, I think it made me grow as a human being and as I a bet. person. Got to see a very different culture and the differences of, you know. Um, 
society where it was the mega rich, the mega poor, and not many in between. Uh, yeah, so true. I think I grew up with and that gave me, put me in good stead going forward. Were you there when they built that magnificent palace? That, uh, I'm not that old. Come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They, that was they, already there. They, used, they, they called it his folly. And when you go and see it, like it has about a thousand rooms, it's yeah. it's extraordinary. I, I don't know. It just fascinates me that you had the courage. Uh, talk about cutting the umbilical cord. Just fantastic. No, well done to you. Um, from there, you were, what was it Scotland, and then uh, the English league with Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe. Yeah, yeah. Went over to Scotland for a couple of years. Ended up in England down at Scunthorpe, and then what was Sc- what was Scotland like for a, a good Aussie boy? Do you know what? I loved it. I loved it. Um, got there. The people were beautiful. Yeah. Uh, ways accommodating. The, on the days off, I'd just go off and drive in the countryside. Uh, it was a beautiful place. Um, and we played some good football. Russell Latapi, who's now the assistant at MacArthur, he was a teammate of mine at Falkirk for a couple of years. Um, and every training session, he'd say, come on, Danny boy, let's go a couple of beers. And I'm like, Russell, You've got the runs on the board, mate. I can't have a beer every day like you, but um, it was it was a beautiful place, mate. I really enjoyed my time there. I hope you haven't just said that because I pinned my Scotland colours to the mast ferry. <laughs> no, no, he believes it. He believes it. He believes it. Uh, it's the truth. It's the truth. Hey, Daniel, could I ask quickly about the uh, the the Falkirk Stadium because I, I'm you know I've been I've been to that ground before uh, to to watch a, a Hearts game actually uh, away. Um, and I was quite taken with that that sort of design. It's one of those stadiums that hasn't got like the full enclosed space. It's sort of 50-50. Yeah. Is that the kind of ground that maybe... We could do more yeah, of? Yeah, as, as A-League teams potentially make a play for their own infrastructure that, that we could experiment with? Look, I'm a massive fan of having stadiums for the size of the venue uh, for the for the crowd that you're going to have, yep. if you have a smaller stadium for a smaller crowd, you'll have a greater a- atmosphere. You'll gra- create a want to come back, a more demand to get to the stadiums, and then from there you can expense expand on your stadiums. Now, funny story is with the Falkirk one is apparently they put the uh, they got the grant to fill the stadium all around, and then they realised that there was some kind of manufacturing plant or a chemical plant not far from it that actually that side of the stadium that doesn't have a stand actually just crossed the line where you weren't allowed to build in. So I hate when that happens. uh, That's why (laughs) they didn't have the stand on the other side, not because of that's all they were going for, but then they realized we're not allowed to build that there. So Ah. it was a a sort of a a weird one. So a covenant uh, on that ground Created yeah. the my- mystical happy, and wonderful result that uh, that um, you know yeah, Lockie's so excited about. Well, it's just funny because I remember the discussions in the off season about you know potential training bases and stadium builds for Western United, maybe only having three grandstands instead of four and being fully enclosed. And my immediate thought was like, "Hey, that's Falkirk. That's exactly what I'm thinking of." There you go. There you well, go. It's, uh, it's Mariner Stadium, isn't it? Yeah. Let's be honest, one of the best stadiums in Australia, in my opinion. Yeah, bang on, bang on. <laughs> but, but speaking of opinions, uh, you played in Hong Kong, you played in China. Um, yeah. Take us, ju- just take us on a bit of a journey. Uh, what did you learn from those different communities? And has is the is the actual football very different in each country? Yeah, it is definitely. The, um, so the playing is very different. In each and every country, huh? It is. And and a lot of that can be 
resources. It can be culture, but it yep. also can just come down to being weather. So when I was playing in Shanghai, we used to play at nine, 9.45 at night because the temperature was 42 degrees in the day and it would get down to 39 at night. So we'd be playing at you know quarter to 10. Um, so obviously straight away, you can imagine the game were a, uh, were a very slow, much slower paced game. Um, similar to when we play through the summer in Australia, you've got to think about the conditions the players are in. Now, if you're going to play through the middle of a, a European winter, um, you're going to run all day because you want to run to keep warm, let alone, let alone be too hot. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors that make the, the, the football different in each country. And culturally, um, Asian was very technical. They wanted very technical players. I thought they were probably a little less... Um, enamoured with the tactical side of things, where in Australia I think we're very tactically aware, tactically astute, and there's a lot of real uh, students of the game tactically. Um, so there's these little different nuances when you go to different countries and, 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 and it gives a completely different product. Well, we've got a very new product coming up. It's uh, season 22-23 of the A-League and uh, the sponsors have come on board. Uh, some new sponsors have come on uh, to showcase their wares. And I can remember that uh, last year, this time last year, we were talking about a new car company called Cupra. And mm. now now it's being adopted by about four or five other agencies. So the brands are building and we've got, uh, we're have got we going to catch up with the um, MD of Melbourne Victory shortly, um, Caroline Carnegie, and she's going to talk to us about the power of their new sponsorship deal, and, and that's a brand new name to Australia and to the league, which is exciting. What are the games that have actually uh, taken your fancy even before we start, Daniel? Well, you look, first round, and I think we've started off with a bang on Friday mm. night, tomorrow yep. night. True. The grand, grand final replay. Don't say grand final replay. <laughs> Why it's, not? It's it not. That's... No, no, no. Unless we're in a grand final, it can't be a grand final uh-huh. Reply. I, I've tried to talk George down to premiers versus champions, just just, just to put him at ease. Just to oh, put him let's at do ease. it. Champion, champions versus premiers. There you go. Beauty. <laughs> on ya. On ya. Much better. Yeah, um, it should be a great game. It should be. And look, for, for all the clubs, the first game, they want to put out a marquee. Pre-season ever in Australia, it, it's very long um, and we're spread out. So sometimes you, you, you don't really know too much about some teams because they haven't played too many games. But we're starting with... A big blue. We're starting with an F3 derby. Um, and what you can't ask for more than that. Let's get the mm. big games. Let's get the, the crowds back in the in the stadiums. You know, Sydney's back at Allianz. Um, Western Sydney are in their Combank Stadium, which is fantastic. And I think Knicks are back at home in their country, which they haven't pretty much done for two years. What amazing. So I think some big crowds over there. And oh. they're obviously historically a tough team to beat over there. So there's plenty of, plenty of positives for this season. And um, I think getting back to normality and structure and everyone knowing when the games are on and when they can turn up and, and turning up in their droves to support football. And there's been some really good signings as well. So uh, I can't wait, to be honest. I'm excited. There's also been an exodus from the east to the west a crop of young footballers have decided to uh, pin their their reputations to the uh, Perth Glory mast. That that's going to sound uh, like a, a very different journey, and it, and could be a very exciting one. Yeah, look, Ruben Zakovic is uh, having his first year in full year in charge. A young coach uh, came in last year, and when he f- came in, basically just played the youth and said, "Show me what you got, guys. We want to play young Perth players." <laughs> He's kept a few. A few have left. A few have been picked up by other clubs, but. 
he's done really good recruitment in my eyes. He's got some some a good mixture of youth and some experience. He's got a couple of players from overseas, Ryan Williams back um, from overseas as well. So I think he'll be looking to um, make a statement this year after finishing on the bottom of the table. And they're playing the first six games away from home. That's the, the downside. But then they go back and they're playing out of Macedonia Stadium in Perth as their stadium is being upgraded for the Women's World Cup. And I think that could have a galvanising effect for the glory. You know, a smaller stadium, crowds, as we just said, packing in, getting on top of the players and opposition teams might not like going there. Yes, yes, the, the bull ring, eh? The, you actually feel the pressure. You can feel the, uh, the, the, the 12th, what is it, the 12th player? The 12th, 12th, 12th man, yeah. The 12th man, I, yes. I'd be reticent to call it the bull ring there. You might be stealing some MacArthur IP there. They might have that. <laughs> hey, man, I, was just, I was just going back to a place in South Africa <laughs> and, and thinking, you know, cricketing uh, greats pl- have played the bull ring. It, you know, there no one place, no one group can claim that much IP. Eh? Just think about that. Mm. But, Daniel, um, we're super excited the fact that uh, there's, the season is upon us, as you touched on earlier. It's, it's a humongously long preseason. But in some respects, it had to be this way in order to set us up for what promises to be a truly exciting one. And uh, we wish you every success for the brand-new season. Uh, I hope we can get back to you throughout the season and talk to you about how you see the competition going on and which teams are making the biggest impact. Uh, which game are you calling or, or are you moving around and doing as many as you can? Uh, well, I'll be on Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. Wow. This week. What am I saying? <laughs> I love that. It's professionalism. Yeah, something, something, no rest, wicked. Something no like rest that. for the wicked is right. <laughs> Daniel McBreen, it's been a delight uh, having you on. And uh, uh, once again, great to know that uh, there's a little Burnley in that boy. But deep down, but deep down, he spent he spent a lifetime in this country showcasing his talents to the world. Daniel McBreen, thank you for joining us on FNR. Thanks for having me, guys, and I'll see you through the season. You Thanks. got it. All about good luck. That's fantastic, Daniel McBreen. Brilliant. Shall he's we played. He's played everywhere. We're going to take a break. Yes. And we've got a special guest at the other end. We've got the new MD um, at uh, Melbourne Victory, Caroline Carnegie, to join us when we get back. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, it's George and Lockie in the studio and joining us uh, by phone, because she's been busy, busy, busy all day, is the uh, MD of Melbourne Victory, Caroline Carnegie. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Um, what a tremendous last few days. Some great news has come out of the club Would you like to fill all those people who weren't at the season launch and uh, didn't get a chance to hear uh, the good news that there's a big brand, a big company, uh, I think Miami-based, are they not, Uh, who've come to the party and they're offering something very special, uh, a brand-new front-of-shirt offering for the Melbourne Victory? Yeah, that, that's right. We've had a, an amazing week and we've had a couple of different pieces of good news. We've obviously announced our, our new front of shirt partner in Bonzer Airlines. Uh, they are part of the, the 777 portfolio, but it is part of a separate deal to the strategic investment we also announced yesterday. But it's a four-year principal partnership with our men's team, uh, the biggest one that the club has done, and we are incredibly excited about uh, everything that Bonzer has to offer for our members and fans as well. It's, it's, it's a sensationally Australian uh, branding. Bonza, Bonza, you beaut. 
And the, um, uh, the the planes, are they Shazza and Bazza as well? <laughs> I think it sits very nicely next to our women's front of share partner in Mate. Could you get oh, anything yes. better than Bonza and Mate? Oh, fantastic. Well done. That that is a that is a good strategic call so and um, brand, brand brand synergy brand awareness it's called brand awareness, um, Caroline. That's right. A lawyer in in your in your um, uh, initial um, um, uh, life and and world, but you've now been given a tremendous role, a transformative role at the biggest football club in in Australia. I'm talking about the Round Ball Code. That's Melbourne Victory. You're the MD. Um, it, it it wasn't um, uh, all roses when you came on board. You had a lot of work to do. Uh, you made um, a, a fantastic appointment. John de Delitza came on board, and then you started uh, taking a look at uh, the administration and creating a whole new pathway. Uh, how's the journey been? You didn't quite get the chocolates last year, but you certainly excited some very very tough to please fans. Yeah, I think I think that's right. You know, when I started, if we'd all uh, came to get, come together as a Melbourne Victory family and said where we ended up, you know, one point off Premier's plate and a, a game off the grand final, I think everybody would have jumped at it. We, we were disappointed at the end. You know, as you get better, you want more. And yep. our campaign this year is about the club wanting more. But everybody at the club has put in so, such an enormous amount of work to try to get Melbourne Victory back to where it should be. We're very proud of the, the people, the culture we've got, the football department, men and women, and as you rightfully said, JD has played an enormous part in that. Um, and then culminating this week, heading into this season with you know our new front of shirt partner and our new investment partner, I think uh, you know we're on the right track. There's always going to be more to do, but we want to be innovative and bold and mm. make change, and, and we're aligning ourselves with the right partners to enable us to do that and that's just going to result in benefits for our members and fans. I mean, it's it's easy to forget just how bleak things seemed both internally and externally for, for Melbourne Victory before, you know, last season, before you, you came in. What do you think ha- has been the key? Obviously, there are so many many elements that go into to running a, a football club. What do you think has been the sort of um, biggest factor behind the market improvement we've seen Popovich. from Victory on and off the field, in <laughs> on and off the field, though, Georgie, yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in, sh- in oh, such yeah. a, a short space of time. Mm. Yeah, look, I think on the field, you, you've, you've nailed both of them. Having Tony join has been amazing for us. Having JD, who's really got a focus across all our football programs, has been fantastic. That's really helped us get things together. And I say that on the men's side because obviously Jeff hasn't needed a lot of help with being back-to-back champions, mm. but, you know, we've provided the support that we can to, to get the women the same as, as the men as well. I think off the pitch, it's just been a case of trying to listen to, you know, all of our stakeholders. We won't always get things right, um, but we're trying very hard to make sure that we do and to the extent to which we might have to do things different to what they want to see or hear, that we communicate openly about why that might be that the club has to go down a certain path. And I think if you're genuine with people and open with them, they, they understand. They might not like the decisions all the time, but the fact that they, they know that you've thought about the club, you've thought about them and you've, you've tried to align those two things together makes a big difference to how they support you and perceive you and, and uh, how well the club goes off the pitch. 
Caroline Carnegie is our special guest on FNR State of Our Football Nation. She's the MD, the Managing Director of Melbourne Victory. And uh, we touched on and started the conversation by saying uh, how exciting it must be to be working for the biggest uh, football club in the country. Um, it, you're also working in the most competitive uh, city in Australia in terms of sport. Melbourne is notorious. It's tough. Um, there are so many competing interests. Um, I'm sure that you have other interests as well. And I, I would suggest too, and I'm, I'm going to ask you now, uh, do you spread your allegiances to other codes or are you one-eyed and glued only to Melbourne Victory? I am currently one-eyed and glued only to Melbourne Victory because <laughs> there's so many things that we can be doing and I, um, I'm i so passionate about the club. I've got the best job in the world, so there isn't anything else I'd rather be doing or following. I did in a, in a previous life uh, also support an AFL team and I still would support them, but really it's all about the round ball code for me. You haven't got, a t- you haven't got time. So what was that AFL side? I'm a Kangaroos fan. Is that right? So you must be feeling all the stress and and uh, consternation that so many of the others are feeling at the moment, uh, with uh, the goings on that are happening in that part of the uh, the football and sporting sphere. But let's get back to to victory. Uh, you've got a tremendous role. You're the first woman to take on the the challenge uh, at the very top of the tree in, a, in an Australian football club. That's a, that's a huge uh, responsibility. And I get a feeling, in just listening to you speaking, that um, you want to make a huge success of it. Um, we saw a number of women over the last uh, half a dozen years stand up and represent big football clubs in other codes, and they did awfully well. Um, uh, is, it, is it time now for Victory to get climbed the, uh, the last few inches, the last few feet, to uh, once again ascend the, uh, the Everest and be the, the number one football club in the country? Absolutely it is. I mean, that's what it's all about for us. I mean, we're we're in the sporting capital of the world. We're part of the biggest sport in the world. We might not be the biggest in Victoria, but, you know, we'll get there. I think we're starting to line things up as a code in football. We've got two World Cups within the next, you know, what is it, nine months. Um, You know, victory is going to be a formidable challenger and, uh, you know, this season and many seasons to come and, we're going to do. I'm going to work very hard. My team's going to work very hard. The boys and girls are going to work very hard to make sure uh, we get to the top. That's for sure, and, and that's the top of football, but the top of any team sport, really. So you know, the sky's the limit for us. Now, as a smart businesswoman, I can bet your bottom dollar that um, there won't be one kit that uh, Victory will be running out this year. How many kits have you lined up to roll out? Uh, And how many different colours? Because I'm getting so many people saying to me, where's our famous Melbourne Victory top? But it's it's not just kids anymore. There's the exclusive Nani range as well. (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. It's it's all happening. But quite I, seriously, I, I how, many, how, many kits, how many kits are we going to see we'll this year? We'll keep everyone happy with our kit. Look, you, the home kit you saw released uh, a couple of days ago, the away kit you'll see after the weekend, but everybody sort of knows what that's going to look like because our fans designed it and mm. voted for it. We're very lucky we've got a partnership with Ultra Football, which does enable us to be a bit more nimble with some bits and pieces around kit and merchandise, and we'll continue to see where we can push boundaries, do things differently, We'll take on board feedback. We'll learn from the things that our members and fans want to see, and um, we'll be we'll 
we'll push some different things through, that's for sure. Mm. Well, yeah. Spe- speaking speaking of uh, of Nani, not only will he be you know spearheading his own sort of uh, sub merch line within the the Melbourne Victory He's brand, probably but following young Timmy Cahill. Yeah, something remember, something remember like Timmy that. Timmy started. I remember Harry, Harry Kings, Kuehl had a had, had a politics stint oh, as well. Dear. I think that I think that ad is still up at the DFO anyway. <laughs> um, obviously, Nani is also going to be spearheading this uh, assault on the the A League men's title. For the the side, obviously a, a landmark signing, not just for Melbourne Victory, but for the the league as a whole. I, I'm curious to know a little bit more about the the process of of how that deal came to be, because a lot of the time it, it's a simple sort of club approaches, player and vice versa. But obviously, there's been a big push from the APL on clubs to to target specific types of talent. So there's been a, sort of a three way relationship here to take us through the uh, the, the process of how. The, the Portuguese maestro came to uh, sign for Melbourne Victory. Yeah, no problems. Look, from a footballing perspective, the, the signing of, of Nani was no different to other, other players in that it starts with the football department, the coach, JD, um, and the rest of the football team looking at the talent that we're looking or the positions that we're looking to fill and, and who we think might, might fill those. Um, with someone at Nani's, Stature, we needed some assistance with that, and the league definitely has a focus. And, and Danny Townsend should be um, commended for it on making sure that we get the best talent that we can in here to create excitement for the league and to help build. And and after those discussions initially started with our with our football sort of hat first, um, we, we approached the league around marquee status and support and what we might be able to do together. Um, if we had somebody of his calibre playing for Melbourne Victory and, and we landed where we landed and we couldn't be more excited to see him run out tomorrow night, or Saturday night, I should say. Uh, Caroline, one of the things that I, have as a football fan, would love to see, especially we're now inside a year before the Women's World Cup, what are the chances of seeing double headers? I'm not talking about curtain raisers. I'm talking about double headers, Amy Park, men's and women's. Same day. Yeah, look, we're going to have four or five of them this season. Uh, we had all our women's games, uh, home games bar one, I think, that was moved because of COVID um, as an opener for the men last season at Amy. Um, and we're actually going to have a double header where the men open for the women this Whoa, season. beauty. In February as well, which I think is a fair... Hang on, let me do that again. COVID. Bonza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. That's Bonza, mate. Um, so, you look, we're really excited about the double headers are great for us. We think it's a fantastic exposure to people that might, might not necessarily follow the women's game as yep. closely as they do the men's. Um, I know the league has a little bit of a strategy of perhaps trying to play some of the women's games in a more vocal Round and sort of touring them around to get support and, and that works for some teams. For us, we want to see our girls front and centre at Amy Park. Jeff wants to see the girls there. There isn't a better stadium in, in Melbourne for them to play at um, and that's the way we will continue to go. Well, that's exciting stuff. That really is exciting and it's the sort of thing that the, the real football fan has been craving and asking uh, you know, to, to see more of and, and, I, and I've asked the question uh, of other clubs and we, we keep hearing things like uh, the people who run the ground don't want to load the pitch up. They, there are other sports that are being played. <clears throat> Pardon me. And, and and it's always about the stadium holders. And I'd love to see, or I'm loving hearing, that you have some leeway or you've made and, uh, and reached out to find more leeway to a- arrange and have these games actually taking place. Because 
This is yeah, th- this is how we get the excitement levels, you know, through the roof. The most important thing for us is that we need we need our fans, we need people who love football to come along and support the girls as well. Correct, correct. And then the narrative sort of writes itself. So you know we're going to push it. We want our girls to be there. That's that's the forum we want to see them play in, and that's how we want to build the game. But we need every one of our members and fans to come along and support the girls and support the boys and fill the stadiums for both so that we can make sure we create the best and most sustainable future and the most successful football outcomes for Melbourne Victory. Uh, Tony Popovich uh, doesn't like missing too many seasons without success. Um, You had a long chat together. You guys are on the same page. You know what you want. We're all on the same page. Of course, we know fantastic, what we want. Fantastic, fantastic. It's all about the silverware. Oh, man, that's exciting stuff. And <laughs> talk to me about the women. Talk to me about the women and um, uh, and the uh, the situation there. Have you got – is the side now in intact, in, in complete, or are there still more announcements to be made before before the games start? There'll be a couple more announcements to be made in the lead into the start of the A-League women's season for sure, but we've got good stability in the side from last year. We're, we're fortunate we're getting Kayla Morrison back. I'm not sure whether you recall, but she obviously mm. hurt herself in the first game last season, Correct. Yep. Uh, which took her out for the rest of the year. And I, I've seen Kayla around the office quite a bit this week and she's very excited about getting back into training and getting back into matches. Um, and I think, you know, Jeff probably doesn't like me saying it, but we're all pretty excited about seeing where we might land with a three-peat. The girls are very motivated to continue their success for sure. Oh, three-peat. Whenever I hear the word three-peat, I get very nervous. <laughs> I think, um, I think the rest of the the rest of the ailing women should probably be the ones who are, are yeah, nervous correct. when that sort of talk is, uh, oh, yeah. is flying well, around. Well, well, what makes it even more exciting is that all the women now have an extraordinary opportunity if they want to play international football, if they can play for the Matildas. Uh, there, we've seen a, a, a crop of players suddenly go down with injuries. Kaya Simon only the other day did an ACL. Um, that's not what you want to hear with, uh, you know, the the, the, the the world Women's World Cup less than a year away. It asks an, an awful lot of players, and I can, I can imagine the stress that goes in there, but the opportunity for those next up, that, that next generation, they would be, you'd be jumping out of your skin, wouldn't you, Caroline? I think, I think that's right. They are. They're, ex- they're excited about the opportunities. They're excited, to be honest, just about having the World Cup on home soil as well. And, you know, having a successful A-League women's season leading into that will be great for us. It'll be great for football and it'll be great for the World Cup legacy as well. So we're, we're all looking forward to that for sure. And are you ready for the next, uh, the first home game of the season? You're playing away, of course, in Sydney. And uh, already we're hearing that there are a great number of Victory fans who have taken the opportunity to go travelling. Yep, and we look, we couldn't be more excited or proud of that. I think our fans are, when you talk about do we want to be the best, um, you know, A-League club or, or just generally football club or club in Australia, I think we've got the best supporters, the most passionate supporters of, of any code and of any club. And having, you know, a thousand odd that, you know, we've seen the numbers that are heading up to Sydney when, you know, you look at how difficult it is to travel and how expensive it is at the moment, you know, we're so proud that, that the guys are going to be there and the girls to support to support our boys. The boys know about it. They're very excited to be playing in front of them and I'm sure it'll help us on Saturday night. Uh, would you be part of that touring party or uh, your job I very am, much? Yes. But, oh, you will be there. 
I will be there. Very I can't good. miss the first game of the season. Of course not. Absolutely well, not. Yeah, well, the, the fact that so many have committed to sort of filling that away babe not just because of the difficulties of travel as you've outlined Caroline but the the difficulties of the actual conditions on the day it's supposed to be quite rainy as it has been throughout the country I mean that augurs pretty well for for what we can expect from you know not not just not just the first home game against uh, Western Sydney but the the season to come yeah I think that's right and our first three games are all going to be crackers you know we've got the big blue starting off up in Sydney but then the Wanderers so Nani's first game in Melbourne for our fans <laughs> to really truly come along and all support him, and then a, and then a home derby against uh, City the following week. It's going to be a great start to the season for sure. Absolutely, uh, Caroline. I wanted to ask a, another quick question about this uh, this investment from from Seven 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 Partners. Yeah. One of the one of the thing that, that that people were very quick to to note about the deal is this sort of other investments that that the group have have made, particularly into. To other football clubs, we've seen they're also aligned with the likes of uh, Genoa, Vasco da Gama, Standard Liège, Sevilla as well in Spain. Does that potentially open up any fresh opportunities for, for a club like Melbourne Victory? Of course it does. I mean, we think scouting. sort of mentioned it when mm. we came out with it yesterday, but one of the things that we want to make sure is that we're continually at the front and improving as, as part of at, at Melbourne Victory and we want to be leading the way. And we really need to make sure that we've got a true pathway for our talent, whether that's players or coaches, and even our administration staff, to learn from the way other people around the world do it and do it well. And and part of their network is what was so appealing to us to be able to work with those sorts of clubs with Triple Seven and to be able to grow the Melbourne Victory brand opportunity offering and, and franchise is just amazing for us. Uh- Caroline, thank you very much for accepting the invitation to join us on FNR. Uh, I know it was short notice, but it's really appreciated. Thank you for giving us the time and taking us through this uh, fantastic new uh, involvement that uh, features Triple Seven Partners and, of course, Bonza and what's the other? Mate. Mate. Okay, got it. Just sort of there. Good luck. When When do you head off for Sydney? When do you head off? I head off tomorrow afternoon. Okay, safe travels, and we'll talk to you when we get back. Thank you very much. All the best. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Bye. Caroline Carnegie from Melbourne Victory. And she sounds all business, and she also sounds very confident that what they're putting in place um, is going to work. And that that fills me with great, great dread because that means that Victory are going to be there or thereabouts Again, and most most importantly for for me at least, she sounds like, and indeed over the the course of her first season in charge, is someone who understands the role that the fans play in oh, facilitating yeah. Oh, yeah. what the you know victory as a football club are, and listening to them, and being upfront, being direct, communicating openly with them. Um, we did see particularly towards. You know, the dark times for victory, a, a lot of transgressions, a lot of, you know, maybe poorly thought out things. And, and that seems like that sort of those lines of dialogue between fan and, and, and management have certainly improved in the past year. And you know, the fact that the football's definitely had an uptick uh, can't hurt either. Oh, absolutely. When, when, when fans are happier, you're always going to get, um, uh, you know, more exciting results. But the, the challenge here is uh, fans are voracious and they're insatiable yeah 
Absolutely. They'll want more and more and more and more. Mm. Uh, uh, Speaking of more and more and more, uh, yesterday was match day one of the Under-17 Asian Cup qualifiers. This is the the competition being played currently at Shepparton on the most fabulous pitch. Uh, Garen Qual says, the best pitch in Australia by the length of Flemington Strait. Oh, I, I have never been there, but I have seen, as a, an NPL2 aficionado, I have seen plenty of streams from there, and it, it's a great pitch. I mean, it held up well during the game last night between Australia and the Northern Mariana Islands. Or the, sorry, what the, was the score the, there the Subway again? Joeys. What was the Subway Joeys? Uh, they was, ate them up. They ate yeah. up their opponents. It was my favourite number, nil, 23 23-0. Nil. Nil. Yeah. Um, Adelaide's uh, Iran Kunda, is it Nestory? Nestory. Kunda, yeah. Uh, he uh, he didn't do too bad. He didn't score a hat trick. He scored four. Yeah, and he had three of those inside the opening twenty minutes. If, yeah, if memory probably, serves probably, me yeah, correctly, seventy seconds. First seventy seconds, he got that opening goal, and and then there was and, a, a hat trick. Yeah, and then very quickly uh, they said to him, "Player of the match, you can have it." <laughs> yeah. But what's also exciting is that uh, we had a number of other young stars, young uh, Mitchell Glasson who's the, uh, the boy from Sydney FC. He scored four, just quietly. Thank you very much. Um, I noticed that uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers target man, Max Hately, got a hat-trick. And even uh, that, yeah, what is it, that uh, right wing-back from Melbourne City, Peter Antoniu, um, did, a, did a pretty good yeah, job. Yeah, I got was a brace, quite, quite impressed with, with his, uh, his performance, actually. I know, it's early days. The opposition, not quite what we would love to see. You want you know, closer comp- competition. But again, under-17s, uh, playing away from home, huge challenge for the mm. uh, the opposition. Now, but, what do you make of Australia's next game? Because the early game saw China uh, win uh, to the tune of 9-0. Mm. So China looks efficient, very efficient. They could be um, some serious competition. Yeah. Well, w- what I would say to the... You know the the people who were saying, you know, why don't you sort of take the foot off the gas?" The the goal difference because there's only one automatic qualification yep. spot. Um, you can't for, really back no, you, off. You can't really afford no, to. Every every goal is important. You. That's why we saw obviously China secure a, a blowout win. I think our next game, correct me if I'm wrong, George, is against Cambodia. Yes. Now the Cambo- the Cambodian game is going to be a real test, uh, a real test for uh, for the Joeys because. I don't know if you know this, but the the Joey's actually, oh sorry, the under sixteens Australian national team yep. played uh, Cambodia in the previous round of, of qualifiers, or for the under sixteens equivalent of the tournament. I understand, and Cambodia actually won four two. Now I think that the squads, as they've aged up, obviously there's a, a a long there's a large amount of holdovers from the Australian side going mm. into this seventeens team, and the Cambodian team, uh, as it's been communicated to me is almost identical. So it's going to be largely the same player base. So it's not an easy game at all, is is basically what I'm trying to say. It'll be interesting to see. I think what you're saying is it'll be very interesting to see how we mature. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the the China game is is one we should rightly be conscious of and concerned about. But the Cambodia is not going to be an easy game either. I think it will be... As a result of the the previous meeting, I think it'll be a great watch. Look, State of Our Football Nation is a weekly program on FNR. Uh, Lockie Flanagan and I normally host the show. When it's not Lockie, it it has been Josh Parrish. But 
he's now doing some wonderfully exciting things for both 10 and Paramount Plus, and you were doing some of those. Have you got any more coming up? Well, no, because uh, uh, the, there's no, unfortunately, no no room in the A-League. There's already uh, too many too many great callers up there. I'll have to, you know, there pick, is never, pick, the, uh, pick the Australia Cup scraps. Uh, let me let me just run this line past you. There are never, never enough good callers, and there's a Women's World Cup, and, well, and, and I, I reckon we should be pressing. We've got a couple of people at the station who have the wherewithal, I wonder well, actually, if we can get them off actually, their comfort zone and I, get them I sh- to push the tree. I should say that because you, you're asking me about uh, about commentary opportunities. I'm not the person you should be talking to. You should be talking to our producer, Pakua Frimpong, who may or may not be uh, doing some commentary at the top level of well, Australian I football wish this luck. coming season. I hope she has uh, uh, you know, uh, every opportunity presented to her. And uh, if she just chills a little and just enjoys the moment and not worries too much... She'll do a fabulous yeah. job. Well, if if you don't know the name, write it down and remember it because uh, you'll be you'll be hearing plenty of it this season. Fantastic! Smash it. Uh, does she wear a special number on the back? Well, hopefully twenty three because that's my favourite. Oh God! I was thinking <laughs> you you might come back with no. She wears the one number one. Okay, maybe. Oh. I don't know. I've never worn a jersey while commentating. <laughs> We always used to wear them, mate. They they gave us that license to thrill. Uh, strictly suit and tie, man. There you go. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> hey, on that note, time for us to go. Next week, we've got uh, some more special guests, but we trust you've enjoyed Daniel McBreen, uh, who was our first guest uh, on the program this week, and of course the MD from Melbourne Victory, Caroline Carnegie. And most importantly, next week, George, we'll be back at the same time. We'll have games to talk about. Absolutely, and a chance to review. Um, some of those squads and how well they stood the opening test, the F3 derby for a start. I'll be Darren Quall, how will he do? Okay, catch you next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.